Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hey Dave, I'm going on the show. Para Women Radio. No silly girl talk about makeup or clothes. <laughs> no, these dark darlings talk about the bizarre, the strange, and the supernatural with other extraordinary women in the paranormal. Join our chat moderated by Shannon Overland. And now, here they are, Amy Williamson, Christy Robinette, and Beverly Van Pelt, the Gothic Gourmet. or good evening, I should say. Welcome to Parawoman Radio. It is February the 19th. Thanks for joining us on this supernatural joyride. I'm Amy, and along with me, I have my very lovely co-host, Beverly the Gothic Gourmet. Tonight, we have near-death experiences with Anna Maria Hemingway, and we also have Courtney and Rochelle coming on to talk about mediumship and spirit art. Hello, Beverly. How are you? Hi, Amy. I'm great. And, you know, this is normally uh, Christy's night to be on the show. And so I'm here. That can only mean one thing. And that <laughs> is that Christy is working on some big new projects. And we're just so proud of her. And we know she's on the verge of just something really huge. So, Christy, if you're out there listening, we love you and can't wait to hear from you. So, yes. We love you, Christy. Ah, best of luck. And we will have her back as a, a guest when she um, has something, some big news to share with us, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I know that uh, our first guest is so exciting that I'm, I'm trembling. I'm actually yeah. trembling. No, I'm so I excited. Know. I'm excited, too. However, she's not on the line yet. Oh. So no. tell me what's in your life. Yes, you'll have to talk to me a little bit first. Oh, I love talking to you, Amy. Well, let's see, what's going on in my life? Um, I actually um, have been working on um, a new piece of writing. I can't really talk too much about it, but it's really pretty exciting because it takes a look back on some of um, the the paranormal experiences I've had in my life, but not, not only paranormal experiences, experiences that um, were kind of like signs. You know, have, you know what I mean, like something happened and it was a sign for you to move in this direction instead of that direction. You know, oh, that uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I've started this and I'm just, I'm on fire about it. It's so good. You know, not, not that I'm trying to brag, but I mean like it's, it's like therapeutic for me. You've got the writing bug, huh? I, well, yeah. I, you know, I've had that for a long, long time. And then sometimes what happens is um, you write a lot, and, and you're, like, for me, I'm, I'm very prolific. And then I hit a spot where I have to just stop and do something completely different. You know, whether it's paint or quilt or take up a new sport or something. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> so I've yeah. been in that kind of, yeah, I've been in that kind of 
frame of mind. And then all of a sudden, just this started coming to me, and I had to just stop everything and do that. Hmm. So that's pretty exciting. And then tomorrow night, I'll be the guest on the Rock and Roll Psychic Show with Andy Brewer, and that's going to be fantastic. So now, I'm tell excited. me, what exactly is the Rock and Roll Psychic Show? What is that all about? Well, Andy is a psychic, and um, a very large percentage of his audience, or not audience, um, of his clientele are musicians, whether they're oh, okay. rock or blues or, or punk rockers or whatever. So um, he, and he was... Um, uh, I guess he, he hit fame um, doing an infomercial early in his career. So he's actually something of a celebrity. And that has really, um, you can tell, like, when you're talking to him, he's, he's kind of got it. You know what I mean? It. Uh-huh. And so it's really fun. But he also has um, kind of come back to his psychic side. And um, we have a lot of fun talking about music or, or you know, how how we – um, um, deal with metaphysical matters or, you know, just people or whatever. So this week um, I'm going to be on the show with Leslie Woods, who is um, uh, a golf singer. So that will be Ooh. very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I'm excited about it. That How about you? Really what have you been up to? Oh, well, I oh I have a um, – I don't think I've – alluded to it but I never formally announced it. There's a new radio show that I'm gonna be hosting. It's called The Morning X with Mike Lear and Amy Williamson. And we're gonna be over on Para X Radio, which is powered by CBS Radio, each weekday from nine until noon. And um it's kinda of, it it's gonna be not just paranormal, it's gonna have a paranormal flavor to it. But it's kind of gonna be like a variety show where we bring on, you know, actors and authors and just people doing that kind of like this show, just people doing things not of the norm. It's not strictly paranormal, but if you're walking, you know, on the outskirts, the fringes of life mm. then we wanna to talk to you about it. Mm. And uh yeah, there's going to be news and weather, and um, it's in a studio. And the cool thing about this show is it's in an actual radio studio, but it's also going to have video. So you're going to be able to watch us, listen to us, or do both. So it's going to be watching you in studio? Yeah. <gasps> Ooh. There's two cameras set up, and, and when we bring guests on, if they have a webcam, then you're going to be able to see the guests. Interacting Ooh. with us. Yeah. Mm, that sounds so exciting. So so what is the address for that one again? The URL? It's we're over at www.para-x.com. Okay, Para and our X. show page is up. Yes. We're oh, over on Para X Radio. And yeah, we're really excited about it. When when does that start? Or that did starts it already? On, nope, it starts March second. So that's the March. first Monday of March. Ooh, how exciting. Exciting! Oh my said God! It's eleven days. Yeah, he told me it was eleven days. I'm like, well, we have two weeks. He goes, knowing me, we have eleven days. <laughs> the I'm countdown like, oh. is all day. You aren't going nowhere with the expo there. Do you, do you know who your first guest is going to be? Is it is it a lot of guests talking, or is it going to be the two of you talking, or a mixture, or? I think, well, it's going to be three hours, so I think we're going to have a guest on an hour. And they're not going to be speaking, like, the full hour. So it's going to be a lot of mixture of, you know, banter, of news stories, of weather. And, um, oh, another good thing is is that each Thursday we're going to take the best part of Para Woman Radio from the previous week, and we're going to play, like, 10, 15 minutes of it. 
So Ooh, awesome. Yeah. Oh so God. you know, make it good whenever make you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's true because our guests will have an opportunity to be featured. Yes, and um, over on Parax Radio, CBS Radio, Psychic Radio. In fact, I was um, I just found out that you know the Yahoo music launch that you know you don't have yahoo messenger but on yahoo messenger you have opportunity to listen to radio stations well cbs radio just took over that that option and today i saw that the radio station that some of the shows from para x get played on was on there Ooh, so it's really yeah. moving fast yeah it's moving technology really fast. has a way of doing that it moving certainly fast. does oh my gosh well, well, speaking of that, our exciting author is on, Anna Maria Hemingway. I just saw that she came up on the switchboard. Um, let me go ahead and read her, read her bio, and then I'll bring her on. Anna Maria Hemingway is a writer and speaker on the topic of, of conscious living and dying. She's also the author of Practicing Conscious Living and Dying, published by O Books, and comprises of an inspirational collection of real-life stories that illustrates how coming to terms with the inevitability of death can result in people living richer, more meaningful lives. Anna Marie is also a spiritual counselor and member of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Um, let's bring her on. <clears throat> I actually had an opportunity to read her book, and it is amazing. And I was telling Beverly today that I'm going to be mailing it to her because it is so good. Yay. Welcome to Parawoman Radio, Anna Marie. I'm Amy, and with me I have Beverly. How are you? I'm good. Hi, good to be with you. Hi. So, where are you from? You're you're from the central coast of California too, right? Well, I'm actually living in Ojai, California, right now. But I, you can probably tell, I actually come from England. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I picked that up when you. Uh, began speaking. I didn't know that because I know Beverly was excited because you're in her neck of the woods, but you're from England. I am. Yes, I'm, I'm part of Monterey. You're in Monterey? Yes. Ah, right. Not that yes. far away then. Right. So that's why I was excited. I said, oh, this may be a nice opportunity to see you somewhere or something, you know? Well, you never know. <laughs> and your topic is so so exciting to me um for for multiple reasons but you know, how did you get started in this well i think um you know the basic answer to that question is that i think we're all fascinated and curious as to know you know what might happen on this final journey that we take in this lifetime or transition and it so happened that um, a number of events led me into actually deciding to explore that topic a lot more because I, I think there's not really very much information around for people. And, um, you know, it, it's such an important subject, really, that we ignore. So um, I started gathering stories from people who'd had experiences <coughs> with the death and dying process from a lot of different angles. You know, some of them had near-death experiences. Um, some people had after-death communications, and some were actually just with a person in that transition. And um, 
Although there's a lot of sadness and grief around dying, which as human beings, you know, we obviously really suffer when we lose the presence of somebody that we love. But there's also this other side of death that, um, you know, is a side that everything ha is double-sided. And I think that, you know, when we actually become fully involved and learn more and become fully present, if, if that, when that you know, happens in our own lives that we can actually learn a lot from the experience and perhaps get the chance, one of the rare, rare chances in life to be our most authentic selves. So all those things kind of combined to get me started and, and also the fact that I went through the dying process with my own mother and like I say, you know, there were so many different aspects to it and um, I felt it was really important to write about it, so I did. Anna Maria, I'm working with a woman who I'm learning so much um, from her because she was started on a journey um, by the loss of her son, and she speaks. And she, you know, at first it was obviously hard for her, but she talks about it in terms of that it broke her open, and she's she's on this spiritual quest where I I've seen in the course of working with her in six months, I have seen such a change in her, and she's been recommending books that are just in turn spiraling out and creating a change in me, and she, the first day I met her, she actually shared with me this death, which. She said she doesn't normally do with many people, and I just found it to be such an honor that she would share an experience like that with me. But now I see that it's the the death of her son has almost been like um, she she likens it to they agreed to come here on this earth, plane, and that he would this would happen to him, and then she would be left on her spiritual journey. It would, and she's an older woman. It would you know, begin her on the path that she's meant to be doing. And she's um, she's a therapist and she's working with alternative ways of healing like EFT and, you know, the tapping and the, mm-hmm. the alternative, the, the um, I can't think of it, it's the one where you do the mind, you, it's a computer and you put your, oh, it takes bi- your bio, pulse rate. Oh, biofeedback. Yeah, bio, biofeedback. And, uh and when I was reading this book, I'm, I'm going to actually let her see the book because mm-hmm. it's just so much of what you say in here, I, I'm hearing from her. And there seems to be, I, I know I'm talking a lot, but it, I'm, <laughs> there seems to be a universal experience. Don't you agree that, that death can transform you or it can break you, but if it transforms you, it is just amazing? Well, yes, and I think, you know, that... Um there's such a denial of death in Western cultures. You know, we, we look to medicine and we look to science and we somehow have the idea that we can we can put it off or cheat it altogether. And so death is often viewed as the ultimate failure. And I think because of that and, you know, the collapse of many structured religious containers that really, in in essence, kind of all have the same message as far as, you know, the death of the body and the life of the spirit, that um, we we tend to find ourselves in a bit of a wilderness. And um, so when we're faced with, with somebody that we love dying or, you know, we have to deal with a death, we really don't have any resources. And um, 
you know, the aspects that you just mentioned and, um, you know, are why I wrote that book are simply because of that, because, you know, it can actually, like any, you know, like love or, or any of the great emotions in life, there's the possibility of, of an, an amazing awakening, really. And all the people whose stories I collected, you know, show that to be true, because through their interactions with death in some kind or another, they not only had incredible personal epiphanies, but it changed their way of living and what they're doing in the world. And, you know, I think that there are many lessons to be learned from that. And certainly, perhaps, with the state that the world's in at the moment and the insecurity and fear that is all fueled, I think, by this subconscious, you know, barrier and, and fear of death, that it, it's a good time and that people are very interested in knowing more. And I think one of the, you know, most heartening things to me was how many young people have actually been interested in, in reading those stories. And that um, people have questions and, and they want to try and find answers. And I think, you know, that this is probably the most important part of our lives that we, we want to try and find answers to rather than just ignore and pretend, you know, that's not really part of our lives. I would absolutely agree with you. In fact, um, I, I don't know if there is anyone I have ever mentioned near-death experience to that doesn't know someone or hasn't had it themselves, that they, they, people just want to talk about it. It's, it, I feel, I, it seems like people are compelled to talk about it when the subject comes up. Have you noticed that yourself? That, that oh, very much so. And I think, you know, one of the important messages that I try and get across, and certainly, you know, a section of the book is about near-death experiences, and really one of the most important aspects of a near-death experience is that you come back and, and you tell other people that story. And those stories have been handed down the generations for thousands of years. When we hear about a near-death experience now, we might think that it's, you know, something that's new age or fairly new. But in actual fact, you know, there have been accounts that date way back to the 8th century and to um, 3,000 years ago. So this isn't a new thing. It's a, a same continual message. And perhaps it's coming back in a slightly different format according to our era. But the message is exactly the same. And that message is, you know, very fundamental beliefs, really, that, you know, love is really important, that death isn't at the end, and that, you know, our lives are, are meant to be lived with a sense of purpose and meaning. And I think often, you know, people flounder around not being able to find that sense of inner meaning. And it's partly because we're so disconnected from what life's all about. So, um <clears throat> I think that it's it's very important for people to hear these kind of inspirational stories and to realize that um, they're dealing with a subject that's, like us, multidimensional, you know, has a lot of different aspects to it. So are there different aspects um, in the stories that you've heard? You know, as far as near death, of course, you know, we know what that, that means, is that a person dies and comes back or is very near to death and comes back. But are there different types 
of experiences that people have. You know, like I, I know my grandmother, um, actually she died in Reno from a heart attack and they brought her back and she talked about her her death experience and that she actually, you know, saw like a, a green hill and that she had to walk up the hill and at the top of the hill was a staircase and she looked up and she was told, you know, that it wasn't her time and she came back. But mm-hmm. there aren't there other categories, are there categories? Maybe that's the question I should be asking. Yeah. Are there categories of these experiences? Well, I think first of all that, you know, when we talk about these experiences, they do come under different headings, but really they're all coming from the same source. It's a glimpse of, you know, another form of consciousness or something else beyond everyday rational reality. And, you know, when I talk to people, I often, especially people that might be skeptic in some way, you know, I often ask them, have you ever had an experience in your life that you can't explain through rational logic, but has actually really stayed with you and has given you that sense that, you know, there's something else going on. And I haven't found anybody yet that will say they've lived their entire life, however long or short it might be, and that they've never had an experience like that. So I think, you know, the reason I say that is because we all do experience this other sense of something in some way or another. And often we tend to ignore that or perhaps we start rationalizing and, you know, oh, it's our imagination, this, that, and the other. But the the core point really is that we do all have these kind of experiences. And um, in the dying process, one of the experiences that takes place very often is um, what is called a deathbed vision, where a person who is close to death will... um, see images that are very like the ones that are encountered by somebody who's having a near-death experience. And, you know, it might be a a heavenly or religious image of Jesus or an angel, or it could be a deceased relative. But whatever the imagery is, it's very clear that this apparition has come to escort that person on the next phase of their transitional journey. And when we look back, even right back into, you know, the early Egyptian civilizations and many others, the Greeks and the Mesopotamians, this core same aspect of the deceased taking a journey features in many, many different myths and sacred texts like, you know, the Books of the Dead, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, even the Christian Book of the Dead. So we can see this isn't a a new idea. And I think the interesting thing about deathbed visions is that they can often take place when a person, you know, appears to be very lifeless and not a lot going on, and and suddenly they become very animated and emotionally stirred by something. And I had this experience with my mother um, shortly before she died in which you know, she was very animated all of a sudden after not having really spoken very much for quite a few days and telling me that these people, some she recognized, she knew one of them was her deceased father and other family members, and that they wanted to take her to this beautiful place and beautiful garden. So we see this imagery, you know, it is alive and has been probably since time immemorial because it just reflects 
that same kind of message and that same kind of imagery. And the interesting thing, you know, about deathbed visions is that often people say, oh, well, you know, they were probably on drugs or hallucinating or it's the dying brain or all sorts of scientific and very rational explanations. But the truth is that numerous hospice workers and carers for the dying or nursing staff actually see these visions as well. And I think that tends to discount the idea that, um, you know, it's a hallucination of some kind because there's actually other witnesses at the time. But I think the most important thing about um, a deathbed vision is that it changes the awareness, the conscious awareness of, the, of the per not only the person that is in the dying process who has this kind of experience, but also, you know, often the people that are with them who actually share this, this vision as well. And that there is some kind of transformation that takes place in those moments where the, the dying person certainly um, becomes a, a very different. You know, it's almost as though they're almost euphoric in a sense, peaceful, some even elated. So I think that that, um, you know, gives us a very good idea that um, I like what John O'Donoghue, who's a... Um, a, a writer who was uh, actually a monk who wrote a lot about death who said, you know, a lot of what happens in the dying process is invisible. And when we get glimpses of these deathbed visions or even a near-death experience when somebody has, you know, been clinically dead for a, a certain amount of time, we get the idea that we can see something of that in, invisible process taking place and um, I think it's the same you know after a person has died many people really have experiences of their deceased loved one being around them their presence is felt in some way and again you know many people do have these experiences every day um, I, I find it very common in, in people I talk to but um, the the signs are very subtle sometimes, but things like smelling that person's perfume or, you know, if they were a cigarette smoker or something, maybe suddenly somewhere there's a whiff of smoke. And I've had those experiences myself as well. So I think, um, you know, it's a very fascinating subject and it really can change our idea of the way we really identify just with the body. And I think that's why we have a hard time, actually, in accepting that these things may take place because we're so very identified with our own ego and, you know, and our own body as so though that's it. Yeah. We're, we're talking to Anna Maria uh, Hemingway, author of Practicing Conscious Living and Dying on Paralimit Radio. Amy, do you know anyone that has had a near-death experience or, or like the deathbed experience that Anna Maria has been talking about? I don't know anyone who's had the deathbed experience, but I do know some people that have had their loved ones cross over and they gave them a sign that they were still with them. It wasn't necessarily like I know in Anna Maria's book she talks about a lot of times they will come in our dreams. And then, you know, a lot of people can, you know, just, poo-poo those away and say, well, that was a dream. But 
the dream feels more real, more vivid, more um, like it's happening lucid. in real time. Right. Yeah, lucid. That's the word I'm trying to look for. But um, that same woman that I was talking about, well, I hope she doesn't mind me discussing this, <laughs> but um, she she had a, an experience where she was she was actually doing the um, biometrics and and uh, she went into a place where she just felt him, smelled him, experienced his energy, and knew that he was there. And he gives her periodic signs. He'll make the lights blink or he'll um, turn the radio on or or something like that. So, Anna Maria, do you find that that happens quite a bit with the survivors? Um, I think it does. And, you know, I think... Um, the, the comment on the dreaming state um, is very valid because um, a lot of after-death communication comes through the dreaming state. And I think one of the things to remember is that, you know, when we lose someone, we all kind of say, gosh, I'd give anything to just see them sitting on that chair or be able to talk to them or, you know, have some kind of communication. But for, for most of us, if that happened, we'd be absolutely petrified. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, we have a lot of resistance because, you know, we're we're afraid of that kind of a manifestation, or a lot of people are. And so in the dreaming state, you know, our consciousness alters, and we're in an altered state. And so I think our barriers of a resistance are worn down enough for these communications to come through, because... You know, really, we're, we're just overcoming our, our conscious uh, awareness and we're entering a state where we actually are receptive to, um, you know, another other dimensions of reality um, appearing. And so when people do have an after-death communication in the dreaming state, it is really nothing like a normal dream. Um, you know, these kind of images are very bright, they're very vibrant, they have a striking um, personality about them. The dream is sort of like a, a, a real life, almost like a movie, you know, it's not just like a, a dream that you wake up in the morning and you forget all about it. Often the person that um, appears in the dream is um, looking very youthful and young and in full health. And I think that that is one of the um, guidelines to show that it is an actual after-death communication rather just than just a personal dream. And often, you know, people get messages in these dreams, messages that, you know, will take place. Sometimes a person may appear in a dream with a warning of some kind or a message or some kind of encouragement or, you know, even some prophetic um, idea of something that's going to transpire and take place, which later does. And so um, rather than dismiss these kind of dreams, the other thing is I think they, they retain their energy and they retain that very um, vibrant essence that they had. And you know, Jung, I, um, I'm sure most people have heard of Jung, the, the Swiss um, CG Jung, famous for um, all his different work in those kind of areas. I mean, he had many dreams about death and dying. And for him, um, you know, it was almost like a, 
you know, a common occurrence. And um, in his autobiography, you can see many, many instances when that kind of a dream has come into his own life. So I think that, um, you know, again, this is quite common, but most people if they have an open forum to discuss that kind of thing, we'll, we'll talk about it. But often, you know, people are, are a bit hesitant because, like with an NDE, you know, sometimes people don't want to tell someone. They might have family and friends that kind of don't welcome that kind of conversation. So um, I, I think probably that if you had a discussion with, with most people where they could freely speak, like I said earlier, most people will describe having experienced some kind of phenomenon during their lifestyle, whether you know it's an after-death communication or, or or something similar, something from that kind of psychic realm anyway. Well, so would an out-of-body experience be considered in the same realm as that? Yes, certainly. But I think the first stage of a near-death experience is an out a sensation of being out of the body. And, you know, you don't have to have a near-death experience to have that. Um, any kind of intense concentration or in, in the case of a near-death experience is usually trauma, but there are these triggers that actually propel people into an altered state of consciousness. And, you know, people, the humanity has been exper experimenting with ways to access those altered states for thousands and thousands of years and um, we still do and I think you know um, <clears throat> even in some Buddhist meditation practices people can have that sense of an out-of-body experience so there are many different ways of accessing that kind of altered state and um, you know having the same kind of awareness too your first story kind of touched on, uh, I believe it was Ruben, um, uh, someone had asked in the chat room if you could have more than one near-death experience, and I, I mentioned that your first story, no, it was Larry, I'm sorry, it was Larry, um, he had two near-death experiences, one as a, was it, no, it was Ruben, I'm right, um, one as a child and one as a an adult, but so I remember reading about his adult near-death experience. He visited his um, sister or brother in another state and recounted a conversation they had in their kitchen. Uh-huh. And that, you know, that's, again, very common. Sometimes a person will have a near-death experience and they'll be in a hospital bed at the time, or their body will be, and... Um, you know, they'll be describing everything that was going on when, according to everyone else, you know, they were clinically dead. So we get this idea that not only does consciousness exist when the physical body is no longer, you know, functioning and having vital signs, but also that this consciousness has an awareness that can describe what's going on in this in this out-of-body state. So... Definitely, I, I think out of out of body experiences, you know, come under that umbrella. And as I said earlier, they can be all you know accessed in many different ways. I think one of the things about um, a near death experience is that usually most people only have an experience like that once in their lives. Um, Ruben actually did have um, two experiences, and 
you know, it, it's very interesting because he had them at very pivotal times in his life. And the first one was when he was a 13-year-old boy and really didn't think that there was much going on for him. He came from a, an abused family and he wasn't really wanted and felt he was in the way and thought, you know, the best thing would be to just turn on the gas hose and make an exit. And obviously that was not, you know, when you read the story and you see how his life developed, you can see very clearly that that was certainly not his time and that, um, you know, that the near-death experience itself sent him back at 13 years old. Um, you know, he carried on with his life and he remembered the magnitude of that experience, but as he grew older, like everyone else, he became, you know, absorbed in, in the, in the, in the whole piece of life where you're, you know, making money, getting married, having children, all those things that people go through, and very absorbed with that. And he came to another, you know, pivotal time in his life where he was not taking care of himself and had a heart attack and was, you know, because he was so involved in his financial um, business and things. And again, he had a he had a real sort of wake-up call from that. And, and Reuben is a very interesting case because, you know, he had a near-death experience suffering from a heart attack and was told that if he didn't have an operation, he would be dead within three months. And he actually felt that that was not the right thing for him to do. And we're talking about an event that probably happened, I should say, at least 10 years ago. And this man, you know, works round the clock, sometimes with as many as 50 different clients, because he is a spiritual counselor with the dying now. And all signs of, of his previous illness have, you know, mysteriously vanished. He never did have that operation and and um, and he's fine. So, you know, he had a mission to complete and he feels that, you know, he had to wake up to find out what that mission was and that his near-death experiences were pivotal in him finding, you know, what that mission was. Uh, and obviously through his work now, um, he brings an awful lot of hope and courage to, to many people and their families who are involved in that process. You know, Anna Maria, when I talk to people, it's, I don't talk to people all the time about near-death experiences, but, but occasionally the topic comes up, and most often it seems as though people are told or, or the message is delivered to them somehow that they need to come back to do blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. Um, in fact, I, I recall Daniel Brinkley's case um, mm -hmm. where he died and, and was shown what a, what a bad person he was and that he needed to come back and change his ways. Um, mm -hmm. do, do you find that, that that is true with many of the people that you speak with, or is it usually true or sometimes true? I think the thing is all people have a life review, um, in their near-death experience, um, or most of them do. And although they look over their lives and they see certain things and, you know, they seem to maybe have a, a negative um, feeling attached to them, there is no judgment for these people. It isn't like, oh, you've been really bad, but it's more like 
you've got more life to live and um, how are you going to kind of live that life now? So I think the life review is often a very awakening um, experience for people because often they see where they were trapped. Um, Daniel Brinkley, who you were describing, it, is one of those cases. He kind of didn't like the look of how, you know, when he had the life review, he kind of thought, gosh, what a miserable, <laughs> you know, not very pleasant person I am. But and then you look at him, back. yeah, uh, you look at him now, and for 27 years he's been working with the dying, and he's done some amazing things, and, um, you know, certainly found the purpose in his life, and I think we all have that potential. And I think often listening to these stories or reading them actually makes us wake up to our own, you know, mission. We don't actually have to have a near-death experience, but... The stories are very inspirational because they show, you know, I, Larry Hagman's story that I have in the book that you mentioned earlier, I think it is very inspirational from that perspective because, you know, he would appear to have had everything that people want, money and wealth and fame, but he wasn't happy and his depression led him, you know, into seeking, he wanted to find, you know, well, what more is there? And his near-death-like experiences actually provided that same information for him. And I think, you know, the key point about a near-death experience, really, for me anyway, is not trying to find out why or how they occur, but really <clears throat> the fact is, you know, because we don't know that. There's a mystery there, and we can't penetrate that mystery right now. But what we do know for sure is that these people are permanently transformed and they live their lives very differently, which shows that something uh, of a great magnitude has taken place. And I think when we look at people, and Larry is one of those people, um, you know, following those incidents, they seem to spend an awful lot of their time involved in professions that are in service to other people. Um, Larry, for example, is, um, you know, involved with the Kidney Foundation and right. all sorts of things like that. And that we see that there's a definite, you know, change into looking at the context of the whole rather than, you know, just worrying about ourselves. And those are very valuable lessons for everybody because if we all lived like that, um, you know, the planet would be functioning a little differently. And... Again, you know, we can all review our own lives and look at places that we might want to make changes. So these stories have something in them for everyone, really. And, you know, in the book, um, you know, I think the magnitude of death itself, um, I know that, you know, you <clears throat> you know the stories, and I, and I think that, you know, there are stories like Sally's story where her son a bit like the lady you were talking about earlier, you know, died in 9-11. And how do you get over something like that and actually find your higher self and go and build a school in Afghanistan for children that have no schools? Um, so we see that something, you know, it's, we cross a barrier when we come to these kind of situations. And, and often there is that place where, you know... Um, Yes, we grieve and we suffer, but, you know, we, we can also come out of there. Um, you know, many of the stories in the book are, are, are like that. Joanne's story, for example, you know, after losing her stillborn daughter is very much in that same vein. You know, 
how can I give something back and receive healing for myself now that I've gone through all this grief and suffering? Sort of opens the door for the emergence of this, you know, higher self or higher mission that's actually, I think, contained in all people. But, you know, we don't always find it. We get caught up with, with other things. Her story was particularly touching in that um, she commented that a child came on this earth and didn't even breathe a breath and touched thousands upon thousands of lives. And that just gave me the chills. Um, I want to let everyone know that you're listening to Parawoman Radio, and we have Anna Maria Hemingway on. She's the author of Practicing Conscious Living and Dying. Anna Maria, if people want to find you on the World Wide Web, how would they do that? Well, I have a website, which is the title of the book. So it's www.practicingconsciouslivinganddying.com. And um, there's a lot of information there. Uh, you know, if people want to get hold of me, my email address is on that website, and there's information on the book. And um, if people want to actually get the book, they should be able to get it from any good bookstore or Amazon sites or the obooks.net, my publisher's um, site itself. So... Um, yeah. Are you doing any book signings or appearances anywhere? Um, well, I'm hoping to embark upon that a bit more. I've actually been writing my dissertation right now, which is like a 24-7 consuming... Um, <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and um, so I haven't had that much time, but as I say, I'm, I'm kind of getting to the editing stage with that now, and so I hope you know, that in the next few months I, I will be doing um, a, a lot more um, events and and things. Well, I will be pipeline. looking forward to coming down to see you if, if you're doing it in Southern California. That That is very exciting for me. So, oh, Thank well, you so much for it. joining us, Anna Maria. Um, your book is fabulous, and feel free to come back when you, uh, you have anything new or any, if you just want to come back and visit, just... You're a delight. Oh, well, it was great talking to you, and I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope, you know, it's been of interest to people. Oh, that was, That's my, moan, my main motivating, you know, reason not just for writing it, but talking about it, really. Because well, I, I think certainly hope that we'll have you on again soon. Oh, well, I, you know, just let me know. I'd be happy, <laughs> happy to talk to you. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, Anne Maria. Good night. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, that was Anna Maria Hemingway, the author of Practicing Conscious Living and Dying, Stories of the Eternal Continuum of Consciousness. Um, we're going to go into a break, and when we come back, we'll have Rochelle Sparrow on with us, as well as Courtney Kane. So sit back, enjoy some music, and uh, we'll be back in five minutes. Woohoo! Don't think the rain can wash this away. This wound is too deep to heal now. But don't worry about me. I'll paint on my smile. This world is too shallow to drown me. 
This is Mike Lear. And this is Amy Williamson. We're the host of The Morning X, coming to you every weekday from 9 until noon and... Wait a minute. <laughs> every day? Uh, yeah. Three hours? Well, trust me, it'll be fun. We'll have live guests who will talk about things you want to know. Three hours. Plus, there'll be news, weather, and we'll tell you about what's happening around the world. Every day? Yes, Amy. Every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. until noon. Are we crazy? Quite possibly. I want to see my contract. Um, you, you don't have a contract. Join the Morning X with Mike Lear and Amy Williamson every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, whether they like it or not. A new way to bring the paranormal community together. Sharing everyone's ideas and sharing ideas with everyone. Creating a newsletter with submissions from all around the world. Members of all paranormal fields just like you and me. Whether you're into ghosts and hauntings or an observer of UFO phenomenon, The White Crow is for you. The first paranormal newsletter for everyone. Written by everyone. If you have something to share or just want to see what's going on, come join us in this combined effort. The White Crow. The paranormal newsletter for everyone. Written by everyone. Visit us on MySpace at www.myspace.com forward slash the white crow for everyone. If you're interested in being part of the mailing list or just to download the newsletter for free, visit us online at www.thewhitecrow.org. The White Crow, the first paranormal newsletter for everyone, created by everyone. Okay, welcome back to Parawoman Radio. That was Serena Matthews and Moon Hanging Low. I'm Amy, and with me I have my co-host, Beverly. Hi, Amy. Hello, Beverly. Amy, I um, love that that ad for your... Did you love it? Not ad, but I the liked, promo. It was fun. That was it fantastic. Was fun. It was so 
just so great. I, it was funny, but it was informative, and <laughs> I can't wait to hear your show. <laughs> yeah, Mike actually wrote that. He's uh, he's actually he does a lot of promos. He's a voiceover artist, is what he is. So he has a fantastic voice. Well, so did you. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That was great. Our next guests are on the line. We have um, Courtney and Rochelle. Rochelle Sparrow is an internationally renowned psychic trans channel, former therapist, radio, and television personality. Because of her outstanding reputation, clarity, and ethics, Rochelle has become the featured trans channel for Shirley MacLaine's website. Rochelle has helped influence people throughout the world with her candid truth about spiritual development. Rochelle has also developed a psychic Dear Abby column, Ask Rochelle, which is featured in many Mind, Body, Spirit, as well as Paranormal magazines. And she's an empath, empath excuse me, <clears throat> entertaining manner. Rochelle creates understanding through her psychic trans-channeling for audience, participants of past life experiences, psychic abilities, information regarding spirit guides and angels, and helps people with their most important questions. Rochelle is now in the opensource.net medium experiment as one of the top five psychics selected to move forward in the program. Courtney Kane is a psychic artist, media personality, and event speaker, recognized her psychic abilities at a very young age. She began to develop her gifts through her artistic skills by connecting with people's energy and connecting with energy on the other side of the veil. Courtney has helped people in her natural, loving manner to understand more about themselves and more about the people who have passed from their lives. She also has the specialized ability to empathically connect with energy within the physical body. She knows where someone is hurting and why the hurt is there. She helps people identify the energetic solution to their physical dilemma. She is an expert in reading energy and in helping people heal. As a radio personality and an event speaker, Courtney is enthusiastic, informative, and loving towards people. She wants to help, and it shows in her conventional style. Young or old, people will feel safe and non-threatened by Courtney's grasp of information, her ability to connect, and her grounded presence. I also want everyone to know that Courtney and... Rochelle are on Yahoo Instant Messenger, and they have a webcam open for anyone who wants to see and chat with them that way. Um, I can see them on the webcam. And if you go to R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-R-O-W and add them, you too can see them on the webcam. So let's go ahead and bring these two wonderful ladies on. Welcome to Parawoman Radio. Welcome to Parawoman. Hi, ladies. Welcome to Parawoman Radio. I'm Amy, and with me, I have Beverly. Hi. Hi, Amy and Beverly. Hi. How are you? And you said all of that without getting your tongue twisted, so I'm completely impressed by that. (laughs) Well, I read it a few times because I knew. I've got a little smidge of a sore throat tonight, and I was a little bit worried about it, but I I did it. (laughs) I did it. That's all that really counts in the end, right? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, thank you. So, how did you two come together to work together? Well, you know, I am just so grateful that we we have come together and that we do work together. It's 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 a long story. Should I start at the beginning? Start at the beginning. <laughs> Why not? Oh man. <laughs> What? The cliff note version. Yeah, okay, the cliff note version, because it would take probably more than 45 minutes to explain it all. But basically, Courtney has a psychic ability to feel other people's energy. 
So I believe that we contracted before we were born, and we had an idea of each other as we were growing up. We grew, we grew up in different localities. She grew up in Oklahoma. I grew up in New York. But through our experiences together and our deep trust of one another, we have come to find out that we have felt each other's energy all along throughout our life since birth. Wow. And the, yes. <laughs> and we felt that because as we were talking about past instances in our childhood, she would bring up an emotion in her field, and I would feel that same emotion, and I would be feeling it along with her. And we both had some very traumatic experiences in our lifetime, and simultaneously, at once, I realized that she was feeling the same kind of emotion that I was feeling, but she also was feeling one other ingredient, and this is so incredibly important. She was feeling hope. She oh. was feeling oh. a certainty of her own ability to heal, and I was feeling that as well. So I believe that we connected with one another on an energetic level. I believe that was contracted before birth. And we officially met through our children, which is a mirror of what happened to us because we were connected as children. So she has a daughter age 10. I have a daughter age 10. They became very close friends, and we became very close friends as well, and it's been five years now. Oh, my so gosh. She's my sister. She's my, she's my – I think people refer – to the kind of relationship that I have with Courtney as twin flame. Oh. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't she sweet? <laughs> Which one are you? Who's Courtney and who's uh, Rochelle? Blue or red? Rochelle's blue. Courtney. Okay. Blue. What What does that mean? Blue or red? They're wearing one's wearing a blue sweater and one is wearing a red sweater. Okay. So so. I, I just downloaded Yahoo Messenger, <laughs> but I'm not sure how to get there. Well, you have to sign in under your, your, your Yahoo name, okay. and then you just simply add Rochelle Sparrow. I add which is Sparrow. Yeah. yeah, which is R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-R-O-W. It's also in the chat room uh, on our blog talk page if any of our listeners are tuning in and are in the chat room and want to add them. Cool, and you can cool, see cool. them. Cool. Thank you, everybody out there. We so appreciate you tuning in and listening to us tonight. Yay. So what does red and blue mean, do you think? Yeah, well, what does? actually pink. Oh, it's pink. oh, it's pink? Yeah, it is pink. I think, color, to me, colors, when I look at colors, it's just, um, they change. Sometimes the blue, to me, can mean worry or uh, depression. Some, sometimes it can be, you know, lightness and airy. Um, you know, I my think blue. <laughs> huh? blue would be healing. For me, I would say healing and love. Yeah. So I think that it's different for every person. I think that you can go online and look at what people have kind of categorized colors, but I think it's different for every person. And what is it for us? Um, this morning, my pink color was anxiety, and <laughs> right now it's love, so it's all gone. Oh. So I think it changes. Did you have some anxiety this morning? The, the blue is calm. 
I yeah, am Michelle seeing my calming influence today. Yeah, I, I've been in the process of a move, of a huge transition, oh. and, you know, our new place isn't supposed to be, it was supposed to be ready mid-March, and now they're telling us mid-April, and we're in, it's just, it's a fun thing. Oh. So I just oh. kind of have to stay with it and love it the way it is, right? Right. Right. <laughs> right? The flow. Yes. Spirits are guiding you. So tell us, Courtney, what exactly is a psychic artist? Um, Well, what, I'll kind of tell you how I got to that point. Um, I, as a child, started receiving messages. Um, It really started after my mother passed away when I was 15 through dreams and, and, you know, just information that was coming um, to me, and that's happened my whole life. Now, um, I would say probably about six years ago, I started to meditate and um, go into um, just a meditative state. I started getting visions that were coming to me, and I had this strong pull. Um, It was something that I couldn't explain. I had never uh, been an artist before. I've never had any creative um, uh, classes, nothing like that. And um, I had to put these visions that I was getting down on paper or, or on canvas. And so I started painting. Um, in the beginning, I started painting with brushes, things like that. And it, it just organically has come to um, to me hand painting. So anything you've seen, it's been all my fingers and the canvas, and that's it. Um, but I paint the energy or the visions that come to me. So when Rochelle and I sit down and do a reading for somebody, Rochelle will start to, to trance channel for them, and I'll start to receive my own information. And while I'm painting, I'm also writing those things down. And at the end of the session, um, I share everything that I was getting. And it's really interesting because a lot of the times um, this information correlates right along with Rochelle, but I've written it before she's even seen it. Does that make sense? It's like cosmic twins. It's crazy. (laughs) And so um, I don't, you know, we fell into this. Rochelle came to my house about four years ago, I guess it's four and a half years ago, I walked in my living room and I had been painting and I had been like a closet painter and my <laughs> husband didn't even really know what I was doing and, um, and Rochelle came over and she said, hmm, do you know what you're doing? And I looked at her and I said, yes. And she just, hmm, okay. And that was kind of it. And so I knew, she knew I was kind of out of the closet with her. So, um, so it's just been very interesting. It's been a process and uh, we've just kind of correlated those two, uh, those gifts together that we have, and it seems to be really working, and it's so much fun. We have a great time together. We have such a great time. We, we, do, we do probably two or three radio shows a week. We're oh, going my to God. Be starting, oh, wow. Yeah, we're going to be starting events in 2009 this year. We're going to, uh, through the Vale in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm for three days in June, and we're going to Haunted Con up in Prescott, Arizona in September, and we're wow. negotiating some other events. So we're just we're just so excited that we're doing what we're doing, and we're doing it together, so it's not even work. <laughs> it is. Uh, so exciting. Rochelle, tell us a little bit about what a trans channel does. Well, what I do is I go into a meditative state, and I connect with my guides and entities and ancestors and all sorts of different kinds of visions and sensory perceptions on the other side of the veil while I'm in a trance state. I am in a conscious trance state, so I can move in and out of this trance state to gain information. I had a former life, and that was I was a social worker. I have my master's in social work. 
And I worked as a number of years as a therapist, and then I became interested in shamanic trance channeling and meditation. So I did that for about 10 years, and instead of seeing the visions, I started to hear a voice. So my guides bring in information through a voice that I hear. Now, what happens is is that the guides guide you, so they focus your particular experiences to really help you heal. It's a very efficient process of helping people gain awareness of themselves to bring in new experiences and to shift their external life. But there's a lot of information out there which I disagree with in terms of how people create their lives. I believe that people create their lives through their healing, through their healing their inner wounds, through their healing connections with their guides and angels and resources, and therefore toward God or source. And once we have cleared away the gunk (laughs) from those particular connections, we really can connect to who we really are, and therefore we connect with source, and then our outer world shifts in accordance with those inner connections. So my guides bring in that needed, that so necessary information that can really help us heal, that can bring up that unconscious information to make us consciously aware so that we can organize that energy mentally because our minds are a tool for organizing energy. So once we can view, and as Courtney says, what's viewed is changed. So once we can view that conscious information, then our external life changes. And that's what my guides do. Very nice. And so how do you come together and do what you do together? What Can you take us through a typical session? Well, anybody out there have questions for us? Anybody that's listening, please ask us a good question, and we'll be happy to demonstrate. What I do is I go into a trance state. I answer the question. My, my guides tend to be very psychological. So on radio, I don't go into depth about particular situations. So, for example, I may get father energy. I may get abuse energy. I don't go into any more details regarding those particular energies that I get. So I bring in energies and I bring in words. Um, I don't go into those particular energies in any great detail because it's a public forum. So I really have to be careful and respectful of the people that come to my guidance and ask for that kind of information. But I do share psychological information, energetic information that can help people heal. And then I present that information while Courtney paints. And then Courtney paints a portrait, which we'll be happy to demonstrate up on the webcam here. And then she interprets what she paints. And it's really a very fascinating process. Because what Courtney gets in terms of the information is tends to be 99% of the time complementary. It's mm-hmm. different from my information, but it's complementary. Right. So I might get, like the other day we were doing a radio show about a health issue with someone, and I was getting blood pressure. Right. And, right. and you were getting, oh, I know what you got. You got obesity. So she got obesity. I got blood pressure. And there were some other, you got immune system, system. you got Mm -hmm. that. And I got some other issues, and all of it was true for this particular client. So we get different information that tends to be quite complementary, and that's what we present to someone 
so that they can become conscious of whatever they need to become conscious of that's unconscious and therefore heal themselves, we really do have that power in our lives. Mm -hmm. We really have that power to be able to understand who we are, to be able to go inside and become conscious of the information that we need to in order to heal. That's really the shift that's happening right now. I, I guess, could I ask, can I step up and ask a question for myself? Yeah, sure. Let me get my paints ready. Ooh. Okay. Go ahead. Um, of course, I am on actually a, a new path um, that I've been on for about, mm, I'd say about four years, and I'm working towards acting and radio, and, um, and that's ultimately what I would like to earn my living as, and I'm just wondering what you get on that. Okay. Okay. One second. So I'm just calling in my guides, angels, and ancestors. Oh, God, Guides and angels and signs, guides and angels, and back, harmonizing balance, all energies that are drawn to this particular session, and of the subject of Christ's life. This is what we suggest. We see a move, a probable physical move. We believe that there is adversity and advantage. So I got those two energies. Let's see what this means. Adversity in the sense of challenge in particular locale of where you're currently <laughs> living or at. We see advantage in terms of move. We see you moving, it felt like shortly, into a greater, this is, okay, this is an internal shift, moving into a greater sense. This is an emotional internal shift in terms of what is needed for you to complete the very task which you are bent on setting out to and toward accomplishment. So the goal is correct. It is in alignment. We see superficial hesitations in regards to some doubt that is present, but there is more of a sense of duty-bound activity toward your goals and moving toward what you know to be true for yourself. In other words, you do not give credence to some doubt that comes up for yourself. Your tendency is to be highly focused. I got alert as an energy. Your tendency is towards activity in terms of what you do. I got accountability as an energy. Your tendency is to be accountable for what you think, believe, and what you want to do for yourself in terms of your own actions and activities. We suggest moving is the correct road. Now, once this move is taken, now what they just did, I'm breaking from trance just for a second, is they outlined the correct alignment for your mental okay. state to be in. And at once they're outlining it, and at once they're validating what you've already accomplished in that particular area. Moving on, in that once this move has been gratified, okay, it's going to be gratifying for you, there's going to be a sense of lengthy action taken. Um, I got a sense of classes 
could be acting, like moving toward me and then backing off. In that, I got commercial energy. In that, your being will try out. You are correct to try. You are correct to move toward goal. There is a finishing point here which now must be considered. This finishing point is the accomplishment in one degree in that there is going to be a successful outcome to your continued wish and fantasy since childhood. So, yes, push for it is the correct road. Okay? Wow. That's now, amazing. I'll tell you, this is the painting. I'm not sure if you gonna, all can see it. Rochelle will I'm going to turn down you. the lights. She'll dim the light so you can see it a bit. Um, what I was picking up around you, now you can still kind of wow. see it. Let me, yeah. yeah. Um, your being was purple. So in this situation, you're at, completely at peace with your decision to take this path. Now, the yellow, you've got a lot of yellow and white around you. Um, and this is showing me that you're, this is, you're on your way. Um, I was getting soon when you kind of you asked in the beginning the immediately uh, the immediate word that came into my head was soon. So I, I think you're taking the right steps. Um, also, um, I was getting childhood like childhood dream. Um, you are not allowing those non-supportive beings to affect you any longer. You are on the right path is what I was receiving, and that protective yellow white light is surrounding you. So as far as this path in your life, it looks like it's nothing but net for you. Thank wow. you. That's oh amazing. Oh, my gosh. Good. That is spectacular. These <laughs> <laughs> oh are amazing. But now I want, I want you to answer something for me, but I don't know what to ask. You're, uh, Isn't that uh, uh, terrible? <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me put on here real quick. Now, Amy, that was you, right, right. that we just read for. Yes. Thank you. Right? Thank you. You know that that oval of the face even looks like my face. Like I thought you yeah. drew a picture of me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it has yeah. like her shape. It does, has a shape. Uh, even your hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's not really hair in it, but you'll no, see but it when that, you look. like the shape. Oh, cool. It's like if okay. I saw that as a silhouette, I would say, "Oh, there's Amy." Oh. Yeah. Well, good. It's yours. And it'll be up my within the move, lots of transition, like I told you. My Internet at my house should be up um, tomorrow. So tomorrow night I'll have the paintings up on my MySpace. You can go check them all out Ooh. with a brief description. Wow. Yeah. Really? You want, while you're trying to think of a question, we'll take a question from chat. I see Rhonda has a question. All right. Let's okay. I still want to know if I... Uh, I will find a new job before I can't read that last sentence. before my before med my leave medical leave is up. Okay, let's find out. Okay, so I just do a short prayer, and I'll do it silently. Okay, now I got a note. But let's, yeah, okay, Courtney got the same thing. But let's find out what they have to say here in terms of your attitude or what you need to learn from this particular path. In that your being needs to prepare and believe that there 
are strong probabilities for work in your particular area. It will come, but not in, in and within the time frame you choose and desire. There is a lesson here in terms of giving up control. Your illness was a part of this lesson to surrender to and toward health issues is also the learning lesson here in terms of your allowing yourself to be able to take in, it feels like a relaxed state of mind, meditation, to be able to sit with your own emotions. Now, we're in a public forum, so I'm going to be careful uh, in terms of specifics. And if people want more, they could always call us right after the show and order sessions. But I am getting in a general way. We won't go into specifics. Anger energy. Let's see what this means. I got father energy. Okay. And I'm not going to go any further here in that there is unresolved issue present. So your being really needs to make headway in being able to recognize some long-standing emotions. Now, once these issues are recognized, I want to break here just for a second. I think this is incredibly important. One of the things that happen in healing processes is that we often repeat patterns, habitual patterns that may be destructive. They could be destructive relationships. They could be habits of conflicts with people. And I said may be destructive because oftentimes we view these situations that are repeated as destructive. But they're actually being repeated. The energy of these situations are being repeated so that we can learn about these situations. So it's sort of like going up a mountain. And the mountain, there's a trail that's winding up a mountain. You're going over the same terrain. You may have the same view down in the valley, but it changes each time. So oftentimes we, we repeat patterns in order to learn from those particular patterns. So this is important for people to understand and know so they don't really become angry or mad at themselves for these repeated patterns. They happen because there's energy within them that needs to be acknowledged, that needs to be noticed, so that you can notice the energies you can learn something more, you can learn the lesson, and you can move forward. Okay, so I wanted to go back into channeling in that once the anger is resolved to a strong degree, then your being is going to move into a different situation. I got locale. This could be working locale and your being will find pleasant change unexpectedly. The job you want is actually going to change. It's not going to be what was before. 
it's going to be more of a situation, it felt like of a loving environment in which there are people who truly value you, your skills, and appreciate you as a person. So remember what we're saying here. It is quite imperative, we suggest, that you truly look at father and then I'm getting anger energy, and they would go into more detail about that, but we are in a public place. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, here's the painting. Let's see if you can see it. Um, there's a lot of pink and darker colors um, in your being. Now, what that was oh, yeah. showing me was that you're holding on to a lot of anger and worry. Um, and it's, let me see how I said this, holding anger and worry. Um, it is within you. Uh, the meditation will help you get past this if you try maybe breathing exercises, exercises or meditation. Also, you've got a lot of peaceful um, purple and white surrounding you, so you have the choice maybe to move out of that anger um, and into the peace. So what that message was, peace is around you. Try to allow all to unfold unto you. Rhonda is completely validating you, too, and she says, wow. oh, that makes total sense. Thank you. Yes. I want to remind you, you're listening to Parawoman Radio with Beverly Van Pelt and Amy mm-hmm. Williamson. We have the very lovely Rochelle Sparrow and Courtney Kane on. Rochelle is giving transmedium channels, and the lovely Courtney is doing spirit art. Um, they're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so amazing. Do you have your question ready, Madam Beverly? Okay. Madam Beverly. Madam All Beverly. right. <laughs> I, okay. Here's the thing. I've yes. come to realize that I, I'm i a creator, right? Yes. That's an artist in, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, like kind of my old ways have shut. You know, like the door has closed, completely Ooh. just slammed closed. So I'm I'm ready. I think I'm ready to just move forward. Um, but but I'm not. You know how you you're you have so many opportunities open to you. There's like too much to see. It's like seeing the forest. I can't see the tree I'm supposed to climb. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh huh. Is that too general? No. no. <laughs> you know what? You and sometimes a lot. Of, some guests ask Rochelle and I just to to go at it without even giving anything. So, okay, so forget something everything like I that's said. never too no, Sometimes that's more information than we ever get. So Yeah, a lot yeah. of times they'll just say, tell us what it. we need to know. Yeah. Tell us about our future. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Well, you yeah, know, so I, I just know specifically, you know, specifically that it was so unspecific. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I got it. Okay, so um, calling in Beverly's got to change Light and grace, cast an angel. Session and leave us centered in the Christ light. <laughs> okay, let's see here. In that, there is a great deal we wish to speak to her about on how on her particular behalf. There is trouble here in only one regard. Now, they're paradoxical a lot of times. They have a very funny sense of humor, so it's a paradox, meaning there isn't trouble. Um, There's trouble in only one regard in that she is 
overwhelmed by the prosperity of her skills, talents, and abilities. So that there are choices here in terms of narrowing down her particular focus, in terms of her being able to settle in on one particular topic, we do not see that as needed. We do see this. We do see a need for a structured time, for thinking in terms of allotting time on this particular day for this and on that particular day for that. Now, it does not necessarily mean that the day or the week has to be structured in advance. Now, she's wondering what this means in terms of the particulars and details of her particular questions in terms of what can open. What we stated was quite important because the doors that open up to her, remember we always create our lives from the inside out through our healing, through our healing. So the doors that open up always mirror our internal energy. Okay, going back in, in that your being is, of course, going to have certain directives come to you. Huh, she's a channel. Okay, I'm sorry, talking to Courtney there. <laughs> um, I got channeled uh, visions. Um, actually, I'm getting messages, too. You know, you just don't get visions, you get messages. Okay. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Um, hold on just a second. And what occurs is that these directives are going to be channeled to you from you for your direction. Now, this is a concrete direction in terms of where to take your interest to to make the next step happen and occur in terms of accepting and receiving opportunities that come down your way, come down the road toward you, toward you. These are people coming toward you, either asking you to do something, opening the door for you, making the way. They come toward you so that what will occur is several different opportunities that meet um, your different Skills and abilities. So, in other words, if you are doing five things, you are going to have five opportunities. Five things you're doing internally, five doors open because you are recognizing those internal abilities, skills, and talents, and therefore they are recognized on the outside of yourself in terms of five people coming towards you and offering you opportunities. And then, of course, the direct channel will come. So just pay attention. That is truly all that's needed here is for you to begin to pay attention and move toward the directive is correct. Okay? All wow. right. Now let me read to you what I've just written down. Um, Michelle, I hope you did not just get paint on you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Say no to this was something very clear. Say no to something now is okay. You are not turning it away forever. Focus and clarity is needed. Listen, open your eyes to the path you need to take. 
you know deep down what that is, and it is possible. So you, I think that you, you've got a lot of things coming at you, but there is maybe a couple of things where you're really, I mean, that's kind of where your heart is. Yeah. And I think that you know that, and, yeah, maybe it feels like a big jump. Yeah. But that's what I think that you know, oh, you know your answer. <laughs> Okay. Um, now, this is your painting. Um, you are a very creative person. You actually do, uh, you've got a guy that's very prominent, and that is, I believe, the guy that they're, they're speaking to you, they're telling you, um, you just have to kind of slow down maybe and listen, um, yeah. which is good advice for all of us probably. <laughs> um, but So you've got that there. You've also got a lot of light around you. You are where you need to be as far as in the field. Um, now, you do have a little bit of blue up at the very top. To me, this is kind of a worry, but it's at the very, at the very, very top. It's not attached to you. It's out there. Um, you could attach yourself to it, but right now you're not. Kind of let it go. Let it keep wandering off into somebody else's face. Get it out of yours. <laughs> All right? Wow, that's so oh. true. Wow. And look at that's that. That's amazing. It's so different than the others. It is. You've got that big um, ball of light on the left side of your head. Wow. And now, usually, now if there's a big, I kind of call it orbs because I don't know what else to call it. Really. I mean, it's <laughs> I a guy. I don't know what to call them either. <laughs> I don't know what to call it, but um, you know, but when I see it visually, when I'm focusing on you, I see it as like a ball of light. And if they're at the top um, left of the painting, then that is a guide. Now, if it, sometimes if um, Somebody who has crossed over, if I get a ball of light down here, that's usually what that is, is it's somebody who's crossed over from the other oh, side. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wow, so if you go and look at some amazing. of the past paintings, you can check them out. Yeah. That's amazing. Courtney, where do people go to look at your paintings? You, um, right now there's a couple of different places. You can go to myspace.com forward slash Kane, K-A-N-E, Courtney, C-O-R-T-N-E-Y, um, and Rochelle's going to put that up on the chat right now. And then Rochelle and I also have a, um, a joined MySpace account. And if you find one of them, you'll find all of us. And that's <laughs> called Sparrow Cane Ventures. Um, and soon my I've got somebody working on my website. That should be up shortly. But that will be CourtneyCane.com. And then Rochelle, you can, you know, she's got a great website too, which is www.RochelleSparrow.com. I don't think I... I have to register here. Do we? Uh oh, yeah. Here, I'll put oh, it up. Yeah. It was um, MySpace because I am a MySpace devotee. Um, <laughs> yes. My goodness. And it was um, Kane. K A N E. Courtney. Courtney. Right. Uh huh. Courtney. You got it. And, and look it? under picks. You can look under picks, and they're up there. And there's some on the Sparrow Kane Ventures, there's some on mine, and, you know. Wow. That is like. It felt very intense. Like I almost could feel your both of your combined energy like <laughs> touching me or something. I don't know how to describe it. Well, I've actually had people take pictures of the trans channeling, and I've actually seen a mist of light above people's heads when the guide said that they are going to work on someone. So they work on energy as well. So they work on your energy simultaneously. Wow. Along, yeah, along with the messages. Mm -hmm. And the the paintings too. Sometimes, uh, you know, if somebody needs to heal medically, emotionally, I think we all do. Um, sometimes it's nice to sit with them and meditate with them. So that's always a nice thing too. It allows us to focus. So I do that with a lot of mine, even. Yeah. And one that's thing amazing. I noticed. 
what, one thing I can see on the webcam, you, you're working independently, but you can almost see that there's like energy passing between the two of yes. you. And of Not course, even looking at one another, but the energy, you can just feel it. It's almost like a vibration or something. I'm, I don't have the words exactly to describe it because it's not like you see the waves, you know. The heat <laughs> well, waves. I think it is. I think it's, it's a, a vibrational vibe, yeah. energy that's passing between the two of them. Their vibration it's, is ringing with their It's perfectly interesting to watch the two of you work together. Oh, oh well, thank you. That's fun. We oh, love it. Fun. Yeah. You are a new you best have... friend. <laughs> I need new best friends. <laughs> well, now you have two. Oh. Okay, well, I have to have two new best friends, too. So. Well, of course, both of you. You are best friends with everyone I, they meet. I know that's true because just the energy that you put off, I'm sure you just attract a lot of people. Do you have um, times when you feel like you can't work with somebody? Um, oh, you yeah. mean like channel for somebody or read yeah. for somebody? Yeah, does it ever come up that some something yes. tells you, you know, I really can't work with you. I'm sorry, yes. but for whatever reason. Yes, yes. Uh, there's somebody who, um, and God forbid if they're listening, but um, somebody I work with who, who asked for a painting. And I've just been, I said, oh, sure, yeah. And there's something in me. I haven't done it. It was November when they asked. Uh-oh. And I don't know what it is, but it's just something in me that... Um, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. So I think that sometimes you have connections like that where it just maybe it's just not going to work. <laughs> I don't right. know. What do you think, Rochelle? Well, I've actually gotten messages from my guides. Oh, that's right. You have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where they said, do not work with this person. Really? They, yes. You actually had somebody get almost kind of upset. Yeah. Yeah, they were upset. Yes. Yeah. Also, and this was my own choice, I had that uh, once happened to me where they said, do not work with this person. And I actually got evil energy. Mm-hmm. So Ooh. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I just told them I couldn't work them, with them. I'm sorry. I had somebody else who asked me if I removed curses. I No, I do not do that kind of work. <laughs> um, I don't even believe in it. Um, and then I had someone else, and I've been doing this for quite a long time now, 10 years, I guess. Wow. Anyway, I had somebody else ask me to do a session, and I scheduled it with them four or five times. They never got back to me, and they said, well, that I never got back to them, and I wouldn't oh. help them. When they finally did come to a conclusion, I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you. So people have to come to this kind of work with a, a certain respect. Mm-hmm. And if it's not if it's not properly given, I will not work with them. Right. You know, know, there is a question in the chat room. Um, I have been thinking of some risky choices, and I was wondering if it's going to eventually blow up in my face. Uh, I'll just say a real quick answer. Of course. (laughs) Well, perhaps. What, you go ahead. Do you know, I feel like there's more. Do you know why? Well... I think that I don't – well, this is me not painting or anything, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it always is. What you're putting into it is what the end result is going to be. So, um, yes, one so way or another – risk. Uh, one way or n- another, it is going to blow up, whether it's him physically becoming ill 
or manifesting it in another way, or if it's that person, um, you know, finding out or, or this and that. So, um, yes. Yes, the yes. answer is yes. Um, there's it may another not be question. today, it may be, you know, three months, but yes. Yeah. There's another question from Wendy A. She wants to know, are we moving anytime soon, and where geographically are we going? And this is from who? Wendy, Wendy. A. Okay, so calling it. Okay, there is move, but not in the time frame that you would like. What we see occurring is that there is going to be a separate, it feels like place or spot, a transition in which there is going to be a certainty then made in regards to where you would wish to live. So what we see occurring here is a transition to another place. Now, the first energy I got was California, and then the second one I got was Maine, which was interesting. Let's see. In that, your being does like woods, does like cooler places, now, it does not have to be frigid cold, but rather seasonal, which does not bother your being's physicality. So we see a situation in which your being runs across a problem. It felt like either with a significant other, and therefore, and then I got male energy, and therefore, your being will decide upon choice, but it's going to be a process, and it feels lengthy to me. It's not going to be right away, and it's not going to be clear-cut. Huh. I'm seeing the number six, almost like six steps, six events, six situations, possibly six years. Now I'm seeing six years. Okay, thank you, of, of situations, events that you're going to have to go through in order to get to a place of greater clarity. Now, the transition that you're going to be moving into is going to be quite remarkably positive. So don't fret, don't despair here, we suggest. Keep open because these steps, are going to be fruitful. So do not give up here hope in terms of finding the correct and right place. That is the correct way. Now what happens is when they don't give a definite answer is that they're suggesting that you have to move through your own internal experiences in order to come to more clarity about your own particular energy. And that's what they're talking about. They're talking about being in your own psychological process. And they're outlining how to move into that process and what's going to happen as a prediction from you moving into that psychological process. So this is the internal psychological process that's being represented and talked about. 
as well as the external prediction about your process. They're not going to give you a faded, definite answer. That's what the guidance does not do. Unless, of course, someone needs validation or someone already knows their own particular truth, then they're going to help them clarify their and validate their own internal truth. But in your particular case, they're saying there's a whole process that's yet to unfold here. Allow this process to unfold. Go through these particular steps, and there is going to be a successful conclusion at the end. Okay? Now, the only, I was getting very little, to be quite honest with everybody. I was The only thing I was getting was chaotic energy is within the move. This was it. Now, this is the painting. Um, there's a lot of activity surrounding um, this situation. So wow. this is what I was receiving. Maybe like a lot of external... A lot of something, huh? Yeah, and a lot of stress, a lot of, um, you know, God, it looks actually a lot like what I've been going through. <laughs> but, no, just chaos, just very chaotic, lots of things to be done, lots of, you know, worry because you've got to make sure this is done and that's done and this is in. So th that's what it is, is. It's just life. But there's a lot of chaos surrounding the move, which wow. isn't too uncommon, I think. All right. That's amazing. Oh. And that was Wendy, right? That was Wendy A. Okay, Wendy great. A. Sorry. Wendy Didn't mean to insinuate she was Wendy or anything. Wendy. Now, also, <laughs> when I post the paintings, I don't put everybody's name. I'll just put your first initial and then kind of a brief uh, description of what the reading was that I got. So. Right. So you all know what to look for. Yay. Let's see. Yay. Also in the um, chat room, there's a question from William. Can you identify ancient artifacts from a picture? Yes. Or we could talk about them anyway. You've done that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Rochelle's done that with, with a few of my friends, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, that works. Oh. Let's see. How also, do you do that? What, what, does, what, what does that entail? It, does, it entails the same kind of um, energy reading that we're doing tonight. So the guides come in, and they'll make a description. They'll talk about what the object is for. They'll talk about what it was used for. They don't necessarily name it, but I'll read yeah. the energy from it. Oh, okay. That's awesome. In it this particular awesome. case, I feel like it's extraterrestrial. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh. I got chills just, just when you said that. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> okay. There, there's one more question. Let's see. Carrie M. Carrie is K-A-R-Y-M. She says, yes, I have had a lot of angry men in my life. What am I supposed to learn from their anger? This is Carrie. Well, that's Carrie. Carrie. Carrie, thank you. Okay. C or a K, I'm sorry. K-A-R-Y, and last, uh, I guess the initial M, like okay. Mary. That there is a connection inside of you that feels betrayed now we wish to go into this in greater detail in more depth but suffice it to say to take a stronger look in regards to the feeling of betrayal begin to ask yourself i got cheating energy who has cheated you out of what you've been solely deserving of meaning love who has not 
valued you. This is in your childhood. Who has not focused their attention and creative force upon you? Once you begin to ask yourself those particular questions and to journal out the answers, you will find more answers in that particular quest than you will right now. But that is the beginning here, to truly begin to ask yourself those questions with courage and without fear. Yes, because there is a great fear here of looking inside of your being and truly focusing in on the emotions that reside there. There has been a covering up, a denial, which of course we do not judge, and of course it has been a necessary denial because of what occurred way back when with father in mother's absence. So therefore, there is a beginning here to take a look back into and really focus your energy upon. In doing so, experience those particular emotions that come up for you while answering these questions. You will have a much more significant and clear answer for yourself is correct. All right. Now, actually, I'm not completely finished with the painting. I'm trying to hurry. Um, (laughs) Immediately, um, sometimes in relationships, um, spouses, we mirror each other. And so there's things in it that, of course, she needs to look at within herself, which is not always fun. Um, I know that to be true. (laughs) And um, I think we all do sometimes. I was getting a lot of jealousy coming through. Um, There is some deep down internal anger. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily her anger or anger that she's holding on maybe from one of the – relationships that she's had but the green in her being is the jealousy um also let's see um i was getting a lot of transition she's gone through a lot of transition um and change in her life and that's certainly coming up right here in the dark um, color on the left of the painting um and there is light coming through um 11 up at the top, just uh, reminding her that, um, you know, every in every relationship, there's something in it that we've got to learn about ourselves. So there you go. Wow. And those, those are very saturated colors, too. Um, they are because it's very deep. There's a lot of different things, lots of different colors in there. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. Very complex. All right. Well, I just want to thank everybody for having us on tonight. <laughs> I'm trying to um, get your web page up. Uh, we have some questions in the chat room. They want uh, to contact you for further readings, and I don't have that in front of me. Great. Okay. Well, let me see. What would be the best way? Why don't we just have them contact us through phone number, 602 oh, okay. 430 Six four four seven, or through Rochelle Sparrow at yahoo.com. We'll make it simple that way. Wonderful. <laughs> simple. Simple. Good. Yay. <laughs> 
And always MySpace. Anybody can, you know, anybody can MySpace us and get us that way too. Oh, that's we right. love yeah. We're there. Here. We are so there. Yay! Thank I know I'm so going much, like withdraws. I'm going withdraw through withdrawals of not having my internet at home. Oh, I don't have internet. <laughs> oh. I know. Well, that's the move. That was my chaotic morning. Oh. So, yes. But it's all right. It'll be on tomorrow. That's right. When I moved into my house, I had my internet hooked up before I moved a single box. <laughs> that's usually how I am, but this time, I don't know. I just wasn't as on top of it, I guess. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, it is the way it's meant to be, right? That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. Ladies, for coming on, we appreciate it. And this has been a great interactive um, experience. I I totally want to get the webcam for this show now. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a webcam on my laptop. I've never. Used I do it. too. I've never used I it. Use oh, it. You have now inspired me. Isn't that cool? To create yet another thing. Oh my gosh. Take a deep breath. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 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 it's true. You you got me on that. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. We had such a good time. Rochelle, anytime Rochelle and I can get together and do this and meet new friends, it's always Aww. always a great time. I, I hope Aww. you'll come back again sometime. Oh, we'd Definitely. love to. And, and just thank you, everybody, in the chat room and supporting our work, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And look for us at the upcoming events, which are listed on the MyPace, MySpace page. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> My pace page. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Well, thank All right, you. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good night. Bye-bye now. Bye. Okay, that was Rochelle Sparrow and Courtney Kane. Um, wonderful ladies. If you want to reach them, you can give them a phone call at 602-430-6447 or email Rochelle. <laughs> They're kissing. Throwing kisses. <laughs> Rochelle's girl at yahoo.com. Amazing energy. Wonderful ladies. Oh, that was so intense. I know. That was amazing. Oh, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I want to go to sleep and just dream these beautiful dreams right now. Their energy was very calming, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't it fantastic? Oh, mm-hmm. well, I have to say, Amy, another great show. Yes, this was another great show. It was a lot of fun, too. It was fun, lots of laughter. And you know what? We even were able to smile and laugh through the discussions about death and, and near death and, yeah. and things like that. So for me... I would wrap it up by saying it was a very life-affirming show, and I it was life-affirming. Yeah, and I hope I'm repeating everything you say, Beverly. I'm like, (laughs) it was life-affirming. I agree. (laughs) Well, I will tell you that um, when I was in college, I took, um, of course, my my film classes, and um, the the director Luis Valdez, who did Zoot Suit and all that stuff, um, was my professor, and it was a small class of like 15 of us. And the very first words that came out of his out of his mouth were, "In the film industry, every product should be life affirming," and that statement became almost like a mantra for me. So everything I do, whether it's with you or in my personal life, Amy, it's uh-huh. it has to be life affirming. And this show really was that for me. I agree. I agree. I just I'm agreeing with everything you say because this show. Um, I don't know. I I just feel like um, I expanded. Yeah. 
I mean, it was expansive. It was like mind expansive. So I will see you again next week. Same time, same place. Yay. (laughs) We have another great show lined up for next week, and we will see everyone then. Or talk to everyone then. Yes. Bye, Beverly. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Parawoman Radio. Bye. You've been listening to Para Women Radio. So for Amy Williamson, Christy Robinette, Shannon Overland, and Beverly Van Pelt, join us next week as we talk to more extraordinary women in the paranormal.